You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Scams are one of the most dangerous threats today, especially when it comes to our elders. As the number of victims and money taken continues to skyrocket, realize that there is hope. ScammerCast is your frontline battlefield for getting educated on the most recent scams, but also how to defend against them. Join us as we detail the processes, the traps, and the solutions to help us all hammer the scammers. Hammer the scammers. It's time for the ScammerCast. Here are your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maines. Welcome back to the ScammerCast, everyone. This is your co-host, Curtis Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Art Maines. We are talking today with Scott Schober, who has quite a story to tell, Kurt. Yes, indeed, he does. Here on the ScammerCast, we talk a lot about how to prevent scams and fraud from occurring in the first place. But even very smart, savvy people can be victimized by the scammers. That's one of our themes here at the ScammerCast, is that people who get ripped off in these ways aren't stupid. Very smart people get ripped off, like you're saying. Well, that's right. And in the area of cyber and online security, this is particularly true. The cyber criminals are constantly changing their tactics to breach as many systems as possible so that they can steal our information, which obviously leads to money for them. Yeah, it always comes back to the money, doesn't it? That's right. It really, really does. Sponsored by Midwest Trust and Western Union. Our guest today is Scott Schober. Scott, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. It is our pleasure. Truly our pleasure. Scott, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm the president and CEO of a small design company, Berkeley Varitronic Systems. We're based out of Metuchen, New Jersey. We've been in business for 44 years. And our, our background, and since about mid to late 80s, we've developed wireless test equipment that was used exclusively to build out all of the cellular networks around the globe and we keep expanding in tools and technology as the the different standards emerge to what we're now 4G LTE technologies all of the offshoots of that resulted in numerous security tools that we've developed and we sell to many different DOD agencies throughout the US and used often to stop wireless threats by, by cyber criminals. And we get heavily involved in a lot of the different cybersecurity areas. And a big part of what I do also is, is educating people so they don't become victimized by cyber criminals as, as we ourselves were. And in my short story, and over the past few years, I became a target and, and victimized personally as well as our company where credit cards were compromised debit card compromised or Twitter hack. We, we received repeated DDoS attacks to our website and online store. Finally, our checking account got hacked and uh, $65,000 was taken out of it. It became a federal investigation. So the list goes on and on. Yeah. In this painful process, I learned a lot of things and I try to share these things with other people so they could not go down the same path that I went and they could could stay safe, basically, and they don't become a victim and get scams and other things uh, right. targeting toward them. Right, and you've detailed your story in, in the, a fantastic book. The title is Hacked Again. It can happen to anyone, even a cybersecurity expert, which we're, we plan to talk a lot about today with you, Great. Scott. What led you to Berkeley Veritronics? 
Well, it's really founded by my father initially. He's, he's our, our CTO currently, semi-retired. About 16 years ago, I assumed presidency, and it's really been the, the only job I've had my whole life. So I've done everything here in the company A to Z, which is kind of neat. So I understand all the different disciplines. My sure. background is really in, in, in technology, electronics, and as a software programmer. But getting involved in all the different aspects of design and developing products as a company, and, and as I mentioned before, all these offshoots are, are kind of interesting because they crisscross in security all the time, whether it's a certain type of wireless standard or, or the, the Internet of Things, IoT is becoming really hot. We get heavily involved in all these different areas. So it's pretty exciting because it's constantly changing and evolving as technology advances. And in the back of my mind, I'm always trying to think, how do you stay secure? How do you protect this information? <laughs> right. Keep it private. So. It's a huge challenge, isn't it? It is. It is for everybody. And it could, be a, it could be a soccer mom or it could be a business owner. All of us face the same challenges. How do we keep our information safe? How do we keep it private? How do we not put too much information out on social media for, for prying eyes and hackers? It's a fine balance and a challenge that, that we're all learning together. It really is true. I mean, we're just making this up as we go along and trying to figure out what the best practices are. And that's, I think, what confuses so many people is it's so new and it's so constantly changing that we don't have a very clear set of guidelines, except probably some of the stuff you have to share with our listeners today. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's true. And and there are a lot of people, everybody's quick to give advice, that's, that's for sure. Some <laughs> yeah. of it is really sound, some of it's not always the most sound, and, and we have to be careful what we listen to. But it's good to listen to a wide array of spectrum of people that have dealt with it, and hopefully that they don't have another agenda where they're just trying to sell you something, because that could, that could obviously misalign what their intent is. <laughs> sure. But uh, it's important that we all apply things, especially to me, the fundamentals and best practices. I always think back to certain things, like uh, go back uh, about a year ago, did a segment on, on ransomware on, on NPR, and Back at that time, nobody knew what ransomware was, and, and you're explaining the importance of, of, of backing up your data all the time and other precautions, not what a phishing scam is, not clicking on attachment. People are like, what are you talking about? Now, it's nice to see at least people are more educated, more aware of all the different types of scams that are going on, and they're a little bit more careful in some cases. Right. You don't have to educate them on, on some of the basic stuff. But now you have to look, as the, these hacks are advancing and getting more complex, they have to be more leery. It's finding that right balance to, to help educate people so they're applying the best practices and they don't feel, well, why bother? I have no information that's valuable or there's nothing I could do about it anyway, and they throw their hands up. Because some people do do that, and that's not good at all. You can fight back and take proactive steps in your life to keep your information safe. Yeah, that's really the message of your book. You know, you have a lot of these quick tips at the ends of your chapters, and, and it, it boils down your information into very useful packages and tips that people can take action on. It's one of the things I really appreciate about your book. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Thank you. And I, and I tried to make it something where people could relate, because I felt like it changed the way I live my life. It changed the way I run my business. It changed the way I handle my own personal finances, information. So some of the things that I share throughout the book hacked again will hopefully resonate with, with listeners and they could say, wow, you know what? I can create a strong and long password and I, I will do it because 
here's the reason, and my information is valuable, and it will be harder to crack because I took these simple steps. Things like that, you feel good when you hear the feedback from readers and from from listeners as I present on on the subject all the time. Yeah, you know, and that's so important to us here at the ScammerCast because we're focused on protecting older adults who may just be getting a computer and getting online for the first time, and they really and truly don't know the dangers that are out there. And so they're leaning on maybe a family member to help them and give them advice to help them navigate this sort of unknown territory. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's uh, very important, especially as you mentioned. Sometimes uh, the elder, elderly might be a focused target. Perhaps they're a little more innocent, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. trusting or naive. I had in, in the book I detail one scam that was targeted against uh, my grandparents, but even more recently against my, my grandfather, uh, it was relayed to me another scam, and unfortunately he fell victim to it, where oh, no. they called him, and he's in an assisted living home, and they targeted about 1,500 people that are living in this community, and they were targeting them all. And they called up and simply said that uh, he won a contest for free gasoline, which sounds crazy to me. Mm-hmm. They And it was like, you know, 100 gallons, and they were going to deliver it or something ridiculous. And all they needed was his credit card just so they could process a small fee of $4 or something. It doesn't even make sense to me. Right. But he actually compromised and gave them the credit card, and they charged him a couple thousand dollars. Oh. And and it just it was one of those things, well, it seemed too good to be true, and he wanted to, I guess, gift it to somebody else, the gas. And when I look at it in hindsight, I say, how could you have done that? But yeah. when somebody sounds convincing on the phone, and they say the right things, and they keep congratulating you and you feel special and you need you say wow okay i I guess i actually won it's easy to give your credit card in but but that's really playing against somebody's innocence right and 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 maybe they're a little bit naive perhaps and if they're elderly they're not maybe thinking as quick so it's important for all of us if we have maybe aging parents or neighbors to, to stop and get some help bounce the idea off somebody else place a call and question everything especially when it comes to something where somebody's asking for a credit card or financial information or questions. Very, very important. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Uh, We often hear talk about uh, the three R's of scam prevention and reaching out to not only check it out, but to ask for help and to spread the word. So, yeah, yeah, appreciate that advice. Well, Scott, I'd like to spend a little bit of time because the, the stories as I read your book about the hacking attempts uh, against you personally and your company are just fascinating and I think would be of great value uh, to our listeners. Would you uh, take our listeners through all of the various hacking attempts and the cyber issues that you've had personally? Yeah, i absolutely be happy to. Well, the book, I, I start off really talking a lot about the banking institutions that we place our trust in and we place our money and, and our finances in. And some of the challenges that I, I personally faced, again, personally and my business, we had repeated debit cards compromised and reissued, compromised, reissued, as well as credit cards. And I learned a lot of information <laughs> in the process. First of all, how dangerous debit cards are, because if you think right. about it, number one, it, 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 I, I liken it to taking money out of our wallet. Mm-hmm. You take money out of your wallet, it's hard to get it back. Same thing 
with a debit card, you probably will get it back. And we did get all our money back from all the compromises, but it was work, it was effort, and it was a stressful process that makes right. you very paranoid. Yeah. I and learned we... to transition and try to focus on using cash wherever I can and minimize the amount of actual credit card transactions. The other thing is... Wow. That, to that's, simplify your life. That's really um, telling, though. I mean, I've yeah. heard that other places, too, where certain experts are saying, let's go back to cash because the data is so easily hacked. Yes. Wow. Yes. It, the number of people that are compromised, and I, and I often do this when I present, I ask in a room, how many people here have had a credit card or debit card compromised? And guess what? The majority of people raise their hand. Oh, sure. It's right. yeah. scary, and it's very telling. People are hesitant at first to admit it, though. Hands kind of squeamishly go up. And people are like, well, yeah, I was, and it was reissued, and it happened again, and it happened to my spouse, and so on and so forth. So if you simplify your life and you narrow it down to maybe one credit card or perhaps two at most, maybe one is for online purchases, one is for other expenses that you do, it's much easier to track because the problem is once it's compromised, you got to react, you got to report it before more damage is done. Right. And letters fly and money comes out of your account. It gets to be a messy, messy mess. You have to think about it and think where you shop online. It's, it's very important you're going to reputable sites. If you're always shopping for the best price, you will find sites that offer the best, almost too good to be true. Yeah. Well, oftentimes those are associated to, to scams, as you guys well know. Sure. Where you can be duped. So, so use caution there. Even on the back of my, my physical credit card, I don't sign it. I put a note on there, check ID before processing. Yeah, I do that and I'm too. I'm noticing that. You do that too? Good. Yeah. I, I notice yeah. that it really does work more and more, especially with all the credit card fraud. People say, Mr. Schober, can I see your license? I say thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. You, you know, Scott, I was just—I was going to say the same thing. I because I try to keep track of people that do check, and and encourage uh, the the uh, tellers and the uh, retail folks when they do check that I do appreciate it. You're not you're not right. imposing anything on me by asking. I want you exactly. to ask. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not embarrassed or I'm not inconvenienced. I don't mind taking my wallet out and digging through my <laughs> license and proving sure. I'm who, who I am. Also, being careful, even with something simple as going to a restaurant, making sure that that card is not out of your, your visible sight. It sounds silly. It's a, it's a matter of trust. You don't trust the server that just gave you your food. Well, you really shouldn't trust anyone. Sometimes they put the card down and somebody else puts it right. through a little swiper. Right. Two seconds to grab it and grab, grab the money and run then. you, you got to be careful. I've even pinpointed a couple locations in New York City when I go in often for, for, for interviews certain garages where they've compromised my card. Mm, it took wow. some while and detective work, but you could narrow it down. Mm. It's tough to catch people in the act doing that, though, because it's very quick and dirty. So yeah. keeping it in your sight at all times is important. And realizing you have different things you can do. You can put a temporary uh, credit freeze or, or mm -hmm. permanent credit freeze. Maybe you have children, and, and you want to even do that with their name. Be careful that, that nobody takes out identity in their name. So there's different things we can do and do practical things to, to be very careful. But, but my book really started out talking about the woes of dealing with banks and yeah. the frustration, how often compromises happen, be it to, to people's accounts where there, there's you know wires that are money stolen, credit cards compromised. It, it's almost everyday business. And that's the part that really disturbed me and yeah. helps me to focus on uh, the importance of using cash, that's for sure. Wow. Did you feel like the banks were on your side? Uh, not at all. Right. Um, to, to the to the point where 
they were almost nonchalant, put you on hold, mm. really didn't care that much. And it was ironic, uh, our original bank, the, the local branch manager for years ago that we dealt with for so many years, he's since retired. He came out of retirement, and he actually visited me recently and was starting up another uh, a branch. And I asked him, I sat him down behind closed doors. I said, could you tell me the honest truth? I said, as somebody that's worked in the banking industry your entire life, is there any banks that are truly safe out there? Is there anything anybody's doing very special? He goes, no. He goes, to be honest, all banks face breaches. Mm-hmm. He goes, the larger ones spend significant money to minimize it and have you know, early detection systems that will alert you and things of that sort, but nothing is 100% safe. Right. And I felt like he was being honest because that's exactly what I experienced. There's different levels of safety. you got to do your due diligence and make sure that, that the things are in place and that they're monitoring your account and let the bank know that you're watching them and that mm-hmm. you, you trust in them. Yeah. Um, but but you got you got to have that, that relationship with them, keep in touch. Otherwise, it's difficult. It's a risk. Yeah, for sure. You've had attacks on your business accounts as well. I mean, you've been hacked, yeah. what, four times, I think it is? Yeah, it's been been multiple times with, with, the, with the debit card and credit card. It's, it's the one that, that concerned me was when it was the checking account. Sure. And there, what happens is, unfortunately, what happened is it was a more targeted account. And what hackers can actually do is they can infiltrate inside of the bank. And what they do is they'll monitor actual tellers' actions and get passwords information all about the wires and the SWIFT transfers. And it's actually a huge problem epidemic happening right now with all the wire fraud going on. And they can actually monitor activity, and now they can move small amounts of money, mm-hmm. and they'll move the money out to fictitious accounts, collect it all, and then close out the account and run and disappear. What I did in the process of it, because I was so frustrated, is I kept going after the back to the bank and saying, hey, I want to know where this money went. And they wouldn't tell me, wouldn't tell me. Finally, they acquiesced and said, okay, here's the amounts, here's the people that it, that it went to, and the reason, because I have to put a reason on there in the legend, and I started doing some research to try to see if I could locate these individuals, and these individuals, it's believed in my investigation, also were compromised. So now they basically had identity theft on their person, and again, right. fictitious accounts were being, you know, money's being siphoned, put into these accounts, and they take the money and run. So everybody loses, and it's very hard to track these guys down. And that's where the you know the federal investigation comes in, and they spend a lot of money and a lot of time chasing these cyber thugs, and they just don't stop. They're relentless. So scary right. stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we're up against these major criminal syndicates all over the world. I mean, it's Russia and Eastern Europe, but it's Africa and Asia. I mean, they're, they're just it's so lucrative for these creeps to do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's really like the you think about the mafia and organized crime. It's obviously changed greatly where you can now use computers and networks and compromise things from a cyber hacking perspective. It could be more lucrative. And since they often will do many of these things through you know, using the Tor network and Tor browsers, so they can right. really stay anonymous. A lot of things will get converted to Bitcoin and a lot of the scams. So digital currency so they could remain anonymous. There's different tools and techniques that they can always stay one step ahead of law enforcement. Right. And that's what makes it so, so frustrating. It's not like when your house is robbed, you see a broken window, a lock is picked, there's physical signs. It's hard to see the ones and zeros over computer networks that are compromising mm-hmm. things, and that's very frustrating for many. 
Is that something that you're working on as well, I mean, as part of your business, or are you focused in different areas? No, well, it certainly is. In, in fact, a lot of the stuff I've been doing now is analyzing different cybersecurity products. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are coming to me, bringing me products and saying, hey, you talk a lot about security. Would you mind doing a product review on this and, and rip it apart and, and tell us how sound is this? Right. Uh, how secure is this for, for users? So I'm doing a fair amount of that lately, and that's obviously helping me stay on top of what the latest and greatest tools are for people to protect themselves. Right. But it also helps you understand what, what people are thinking in these companies. What are they designing? They're really designing things so they can make the hacker's job impossible and make add layers of security and make, make it challenging so the spam is not getting through. Phishing attacks can't be accomplished so we can have more secure banking and credit cards and things. So it, it kind of is all-encompassing. So crisscrosses a lot of the things that we are doing here. Our expertise is obviously on the wireless threat detection tools so there's not wireless breaches because that is often how a lot of these cyber crimes work. They'll start out with trying to test the, how secure is the wireless component. Fortunately for, for our company, we didn't have any wireless breaches, so that would be exceptionally embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> for sure. In that field. But, right. uh, hey, no, no, nobody's 100% secure, and if they're going to target people, even look at just what's been going on the past few days with all the celebrities targeted with their Twitter accounts. Right, right, right. One after the next after the next. I, I go back and, and even analyze in one of the chapters at the end talking about the celebrity iCloud, nude photos, and how the, all those different accounts were hacked. Yeah. Were many people using that in, in the cloud? And, and, and in looking into that, over 100 celebrities, none of them used basic multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. It's there. It's free. It's easy to use, but it is another layer. All of mm-hmm. those breaches were re- results, really, of just weak, poor passwords. So if we always go back to the basics to create a long and strong password, We've all heard a million times, 12 characters or more, uppercase, lowercase, numbers and symbols, nothing found in the common dictionary, nothing associated to you. That's going to be hard to hack. Right. You could test your password and see how strong it is. There's a lot of password checkers that tell you the strength and how long it'll actually take to hack. What, What sites do you recommend for our listeners to go to check out their passwords? Oh, I've tried dozens of them. They're all different. I would never use my actual real password, though I should caution people. Okay do variations of it, and there's probably okay. a half dozen sites that you could easily try it, try okay. the password. Just do pa- password security checker. Try a couple things, and more importantly, what it, it helps you to do, it educates you on how do you create a long and strong password. Because if you put a simple word in there, if I put the word hacked and then a bunch of random things, that's actually fairly easy because it's a common word found in the dictionary, and the software tools that are used to hack into sites they will take an entire dictionary and pull it in. They'll also socially engineer you. Right. They'll go out and pull everything off your Twitter, your LinkedIn, or anything yeah. else out there about you and use that as part of a password. So mm-hmm. keep the password totally obscure from you or, or even your history. A lot of people think, well, I used to live at this address, so it's safe. I used to have this phone number. So nobody knows it now. You could find out anything. It's very mm. easy to do these okay. days. Yeah, you know, recently there was uh, an article, and the headline was really catching, and that was, uh, I believe it was something along the lines of 48% of people in this study would give up a password to get chocolate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I saw that, Scott. But, uh, Probably accurate. Yeah, <laughs> so why are people so lax about protecting their passwords, do you think? A couple reasons. What, what starts to happen is, 
you hear, I call it cyber fatigue. You heard the headlines so many times. Target was hacked, and Home Depot, and Michaels, and P.F. Chang, and right. this and that, and J.P. Morgan, so on and so forth. After a while, you, you start to become numb to it, and you say, well, is my information even safe? I've probably been compromised already. What can I do about it? They throw their hands up. That's a huge, huge part of it. The other thing is, it's a pain in the butt trying to remember all these different passwords for every site you access. That's true. What are people doing? You go on Facebook, you go on LinkedIn, you go on Twitter, your bank, your 401k, all these various sites. The average person, I I know myself, it's, it's well over 50 passwords. I have to write them down. I have a book. I have to keep changing it. I always recommend write it down, keep it in a locked safe, locked office, locked building, security cameras with alarm. Layers wow. of security make it hard to compromise the password. Makes your life miserable yeah. when you're traveling, if you lose them, all these other things. So some people are using password managers, a LastPass, and iPass, there's a whole bunch of them. That's good if you're disciplined and you create a long and strong master password. Don't give it out to anyone. Don't share it ever. And it is encrypted. That being said, some of those companies have had some breaches or potential right. breaches. So you have to look at your, your data, what, what, what's valuable to you, and ask yourself, how risky is it, and how many passwords are you willing to put in somebody else's hands that's being stored remotely? I personally don't use it. I use old-school method, write yeah. it down, but everybody's different. So you've got to make yeah. the best choice yourself. Yeah, right. I, I like that. You know, you go old-school for new technology. Yeah. I mean, but it's, uh, it is important. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's the safest way, and it is a layer of protection. And again, philosophically, we're just trying to build defenses around our cyber material and our online information so that a hacker will give up and move on and go somewhere else where it's easier, right? Exactly. They're going for the low-hung fruit. (laughs) That's for sure. I'll give you an example. I was was doing an interview the other day on a show, and and the person had their monitor there, and, and I pointed out, I said, you know, one big mistake people do is they, they put their, their login credentials in a spot on a sticky note or on their monitor or on their right. keyboard. And the person commented that was interviewing me said, that's pretty stupid that somebody would be dumb enough to do that. And after the interview, I said, you know, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> one foot away from your face, I see your login credential Ooh. and your password. And they said, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I Ouch. didn't even think of it. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, we're creatures of habit. We don't think that we're going to ever be compromised. But right. here I am, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm an unsuspecting person, I glance onto that or snap a picture, no one's looking. You walk through an office and people have these things posted all around. It seems like the most obvious thing, but guess what? It's everywhere. Every business I travel to, I'm always looking around, not to steal, but just out of curiosity. Right. I always find at least one person that's got their login credentials somewhere pasted sticky note or whatever and i just Mm -hmm. have to giggle it just makes you wonder what what were they thinking when they did it it was just a matter of convenience yeah that's what it was yeah yeah we love our convenience you know we we all have a big lazy streak in us and if we can do something simple we're going to do it yeah yeah that's so true and i think once you're compromised you feel violated just like if you ever had i had a car stolen once Mm -hmm. i had a bike stolen when i was a kid those things make you think double-check, was it locked? Is the alarm set? Is it secure? But we shouldn't live that way. But in the world we live in, we can't trust anyone. 
we have to double check everything and make it secure and that's important to do right once again i want to remind our listeners we're visiting today with scott schober he is a highly sought after expert on cybersecurity. Uh, Scott, you've appeared, I think, on all the major networks as well as in Wall Street Journal, Forbes, New York Times, and the list goes on. We're going to take a short break at this time, and we encourage you to visit the show notes at scammercast.com where we'll have links to all the ways to connect with Scott, and we're going to have Scott talk more about that here in the second segment. It's time to take a break during this episode of the ScammerCast. Have you liked our effort on Facebook? Visit the link via our website at scammercast.com and be sure to share any of our informative articles with your friends and family. It's all about education and protecting our seniors. We'll be right back. There was a day when the villain was easy to spot. These days, different. Today, technology allows scammers to reach victims across the globe through mail, email, phone calls, and even social media. Know what to look for so you can help protect yourself no matter where you are. We remind you to never send money to people you haven't met in person and to always verify before you send. You work hard for your money. Don't let a few minutes with a scammer separate you from what's taken days, weeks, or even a lifetime to work for. Western Union. Move money for better. A recent study found that most older adults fear running out of money during their retirement years, even more than their fear of death. A trust can be an effective way to manage and protect your assets while you're alive. Now, many folks believe that trusts are only for rich people. They are not. Midwest Trust Company of Missouri, located in Clayton, Missouri, offers professional trust management for clients all across the country. Using Midwest Trust is a great way to know that someone with experience and integrity will manage your wealth objectively. Naming Midwest Trust can provide you with peace of mind in knowing that you or your parents will not be exploited financially and lose all of the assets acquired during a lifetime of hard work. Midwest Trust will even work with you or your parents' own financial advisor. Don't let fear of running out of money drive your life. Contact Midwest Trust Company today by visiting the link to their website at scammercast.com. The discipline to grow. The strength of experience. The ability to adapt. Values that endure. Midwest Trust. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Healthcare is a mystery. Join me, the healthcare detective, Diane Daniels, as I find clarity in the best path to your healthcare. And find it now at themedicarenation.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. 
Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Welcome back to ScammerCast, your headquarters for the education and prevention of scams against our elders. Let's dig back in with your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maines. Welcome back from break. This is Curtis Bailey, your co-host at ScammerCast.com. And this is Art Mange, your other co-host here at ScammerCast.com. And we are talking today with Scott Schober, cybersecurity expert and author of the book, Hacked Again. It can happen to anyone, even a cybersecurity expert. And one of the things that we wanted to pick up on as we come back from break, Scott, is this idea of our digital footprint and, and the way that all of us leave various pieces of ourselves all over the internet and just how easy that is for crooks to access and then figure out our security questions and and the barriers that we have. Yeah, and and that's a huge area that cyber thieves use to their advantage. People in general, if you think about the, the notion of social media, it's to tell other people what we're doing in our in our social lives. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the danger is obviously once we put out too much information, that information can actually be used against us. It could be used to perform identity theft. It often is used to compromise somebody's password, perhaps, whatever the case may be. I'll share a, share a, a short story. A, a friend of mine asked me if I could pick him up at the airport, and I said, sure. I didn't realize the time and stuff, and he said, uh, as he's coming back, he'll he'll shoot me an email. He shot me an email, got his itinerary. I realized it was like 1.30 at night. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, 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 get out of my pajamas and go drive to the airport and pick this guy up and yeah. fix him. So I looked down at the bottom. I see his frequent flyer number. I says, let me go on and have some fun. Oh, boy. Go on to his airline account, find his frequent flyer number. And I said, I'm not going to do anything bad. I just want to see if I could cross that line. How difficult would it be? Yeah. hear of all these scams and hacks. I said, let me see. So I enter in his information and I think about it, and I stop, and I say, okay, I know him fairly well, and I know he's a sports buff, and I know what teams he likes. And when it asks for password, I, my first guess, thinking of this person, and I was able to get into his account. Wow, and first I guess. blown away. And it's not something oh that I, I tried to do, and I wasn't doing it for any malicious reason. I mean, in the back of my mind, I thought about sending him flowers or, or borrowing his frequent flyer miles yeah. to my account, but I didn't do any of that. Yeah, right. Sure, but, sure. So... So as he was texting me back and forth saying, hey, I'm going for my stop, I'll see you tonight, or this or that, I, I had to write back to him, and uh, I said, hey, somebody you know just got hacked. And he said, what do you mean? Who is it? And, and he mentioned he was about to start reading my book. I said, jump ahead, go to Chapter 11, talks about strong passwords, and I'll tell you when you land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, sure enough, and, and the part that that was the interesting part when I told him, he was he was blown away and he was cracking up. But then I said, you know what? The part that scares me is 
knowing you and your personality, and I talk about security all the time, have you used the same pa- password across multiple sites? And he put his head down, and he goes, yeah, I didn't listen to you. Yeah. He goes, I'm going right. to go and change all my pa-. So there's one of the most fundamental things when people know us socially, and they can get in that one password. Right. we got to be careful we don't reuse it across multiple sites. Yeah. Yet people do it all the all time. All the time. All the time. Sure. I've been guilty of it in the past. Yeah. Not so much anymore, I hope. Yeah. I think right. I've remembered to change everything. But yeah. So, so you're getting into the world of habit. And in my work as a therapist, I mean, the brain is really wired to create habits. They're, they're like little shortcuts that simplify our lives and free up energy for other pursuits. So you're really talking about the habit of reusing passwords or the habit of posting too much on social media. And I'd love your thoughts on what constitutes posting too much on social media. Yeah, and you are so right. We are creatures of habit. If you look at it, maybe we go to the store, we buy certain foods. My son, he loves life cereal. Mm. That is the only cereal he eats. That's his comfort food in the yeah. morning. Sure. We do the same thing with passwords, with technology, mm-hmm. with social media. You'll notice a lot of people that post information on social media or retweet things. It's always about subjects they're comfortable with, mm-hmm, that they're, mm-hmm. they enjoy. So, and that makes sense. And what we read, what we consume, the digital content. So the same thing applies then that cyber hackers will certainly try to exploit that because that's kind of a, an inherent vulnerability in us that we're putting out something consistently. Right. Mm-hmm. And that tells us, that's our tell, that's a pattern about us. And it, it tied in very closely to passwords and sites we visit and, and things we share. So we have to think almost like a bad guy and get into their head. And I tried to do that a little bit in the book as I delved in and said, why am I a target? What are they going after here? Uh, the part that I found reassuring is as I, as I delved into this and continue to report on you know different cybersecurity breaches and how to stay safe, other colleagues in the industry, the exact same thing is happening. I, I, I talked to, to Brian Krebs, for example, and other cybersecurity experts they're doing swatting at their house, and they're sending them these scary packages, and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're giving them DDoS attacks to their website. So in some ways, I'm scared to death. And then the other side, maybe I'm a little bit flattered. Maybe I'm starting to do a better job educating people, and it's resonating and helping people. And certainly with the book, the importance of being careful how much information we put out there. And if nothing else... Make it difficult for the hackers. Make them work at it. If they're going to get you, they're going to get you. Right. You've got to really make them work to move on to the next target. Right. So really, you're advocating that people build habits related to security, habits like you don't reuse a password. You make sure that the passwords are long and strong. In your book, you talk about recommending that people have passwords that are at least 15 characters long, right? I mean, you've mentioned 12, but in the book, I think you talk more about 15. Yeah, well, 15 in the book came about, it's actually interesting you brought that point up, and what, what spawn, uh, made that spontaneous in my mind was, if we, we do a lot of work with the DOD, mm-hmm. and obviously the government's had some challenges with passwords and, and uh, yes. compromises, let's just say, in fact, the, the chapter in Office of Personal Management. In the process of dealing with the government and getting payment, there's a system called Wide Area Workflow, mm-hmm. and, and that's how you sub- submit your invoices and things of that sort. And it's interesting. They updated the system. They changed it now to a minimum of 15-character passwords, okay. Okay. which I find fascinating. And why? Probably because they became a target and were compromised, and thus they've had to upgrade. The other thing that they did, interestingly, is they actually checked the security of the password. You can't have common phrases and things in there, and you can't reuse a password that you used previously 
and they make you update your password about every 90 days, mm. mandatory. Wow. So they've got some good things in place now to keep it much more secure. The part that bothers me is they can tell if you've used a password before, which tells me what. They're obviously storing it and checking yes, it. Right. So if, if somebody gets in there and can, can start figuring things out, it's a little dangerous. But it, what, what it's telling me is the government's up in their game. we got to start upping our game. Right. And it depends upon the level of information that we have. I mean, if you look at something as simple as our data going from a computer to computer, most of us do what? We either email a file or we put it on a USB stick. What I've switched mm-hmm. over to now is I'll actually use a secure key, which is a USB stick, but it's got FIPS 140-2 Layer 3 secured encryption passcode that you have to enter. It's like a James Bond or or Mission Impossible. You enter the wrong code, it will wipe itself and erase itself. So if I drop the stick or get robbed, guess what? They're not going to get my files. This uh, this stick will self-destruct in 10 seconds, right? Exactly, and it's exactly what it is. It's got good encryption on it. And, And the nice part about it is, I can go from platform to platform, Apple, PC, whatever the case may be, and I don't have to load any files or drivers or anything mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. Truly safe and secure, and that's very important that things stay wow. encrypted for personal data or financial data. So we have to look at our data, what's valuable to us, and assess at a certain level of security. Otherwise, we won't do it. We'll put it off. We'll forget about it. Right. Just like backups. How many of the listeners regularly have a plan to back up their data. Mm-hmm. And people go, well, what do I have to steal? Guess what? You have a lot to steal. Right. Think about your, your, all the stuff that you do throughout your day, your your, your finances, maybe your work and your, and your personal life crisscross on your mobile device, which is synced to your computer. Look look what's happened to Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Probably, right. You know? Sure, so, sure. There's a lot of things we got to take into play and think about our personal data and what somebody could possibly do with it, then we'll be more careful and secure it. Right. Scott, do you recommend that folks use that kind of stick you're just talking about with the revolving password, if you will, or or, uh, whatever you want to call it? Do do you recommend that people use that sort of product? Oh, certainly. If if they have data, especially if they're transporting data or they're traveling, say, say from from one meeting to another, Mm -hmm. and it's got any sensitive information, if it's got intellectual property, if it's got financial data, they could use it. If they do a search for a secure key, it's a really important thing Hmm. to be able to secure it. And what's it going to cost? Maybe, uh, I think the lowest cost one's about $89. Okay. Hmm. The most expensive, I think, is $399. And you could at first say, wow, that's pretty expensive. But the one I got here in my hand is 480 gigabytes. Mm. That's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Huge. I could I can fit a computer I can put a fit a high definition movie on this if I wanted to. <laughs> right. But it fits in the convenience of your pocket and it's got a physical keypad on there that I have to actually enter in that code. Mm. And that's mm. what the you know, that's what's important. You got another layer of, of security and it truly is encrypted. Wow. And, and that's the part that's exciting about it. it, it yeah, it's expensive, okay. Close to a hundred bucks to four hundred dollars. Yeah, but what, what value is your data? Once yeah, you sure. Well, compare what you got to balance out. Yeah, and compare it with the cost of trying to recover your identity oh, if you're if you yeah. are breached. I mean, that, that's, that's a hassle. That's peanuts. Yeah, yeah. well said. It's very true. Scott, would you tell our audience uh, one final time the formal name of that device? Oh, sure. And I'll, I'll even spell it for you. It's it's called a Secure Key 3.0. It's a USB stick. It has FIPS 140-2 Level Three 
That basically means it's approved for governmental use, so a DOD agency, secure classified information can be stored on it because it's truly encrypted, and the company is called Apricorn, A-P-R-I-C-O-R-N, and the product is spelled A-E-G-I-S. Real wow. handy little product there that, that people should consider. And there are a bunch of different ones out there. Some of the other ones that I've looked at do not have the advanced encryption on it, and they're not as well built. This thing is rugged. You can run a car over it, and mm. it's still going to stay strong. Wow. Metalized case. And wow. Easy to put in and out your PC. And the files move over. I tested it. We tried to hack it, and, and it's solid. <laughs> Beautiful product. Okay. That's uh, good. Yeah, we'll post a link uh, certainly to that sure. product on the sure. show notes page Definitely. so that our listeners can uh, go check it out, and we encourage you to do so. So how would an average user use something like that? You know, someone who's listening to our show here, how would they use something like that? Well, I think that's the beauty of it. It doesn't take any more work than an average USB stick other than you just simply put it into the side of the USB port. You enter in your code. Like I have, I have a six-digit code I enter in. Hit unlock. Now I can take the, the file on my desktop, slide it over into the folder, encrypted and done. Okay. Remove it, and then I plug it into another computer or device or whatever. It's that simple. Very simple. You don't have to read manuals and yeah, memorize. That's good. You do have to memorize the, the passcode. Right. Th- that being said, right. we're used to that with everything anyway. So right. it, it's well worth the security of it. And then you don't ever have the fear. I always say, what if I drop it? I lose it because I'm always traveling and running around. If you have that instance where somebody compromised your stuff, steals it, where you lose it, at least you know they will not get the files off that, period. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds like, Very cool. Yeah, we'll check that out. You know, Scott, there was one other chapter in your book that I wanted to highlight with you today. And it's something, as I mentioned earlier, you know, so many older adults are now maybe getting a computer for the first time, certainly getting on social media and those kinds of things. And, you know, it's kind of folks in our generation, the the 50-somethings who are helping their parents maybe get online for the first time, and they get this wireless network. And you pull it out of the box, you plug it in, you set it up, and off you go. But you have a, a series of great tips in the book about how to make your wireless network more secure. And I wondered if you would tell our audience a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. A couple things immediately come to mind. And and personally, every time I travel anywhere or go to a friend's house, one thing I always check for, is there any open connections that are not secure? And I always find one, and I find it very comical. Because no matter where you go, there's people that just leave it open, and and that allows you to easily hack in. Not only can you ride their internet for free, but you can do more damage and plant malware mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and cause problems if you want to. But if if you're setting up an access point in your home, if you're not comfortable setting it up to make sure it's secure, get some help. If, if you have a trusted friend that understands it, they can help. To, again, number one thing, first and foremost, create a long and strong password because that's how they're going to hack into it. Very easy to do. The other thing is it broadcasts. An ID, an SSID, you set that. A lot of times there's a default ID, Linksys or whatever else, mm-hmm. and some people will change it. But does it make sense to put Scott Schober's house or my address number on right. it? Right. Not a good no. idea. No. Put, put something else again. It could be something obscure. It could be something misleading. You could say, you know, whatever. But just don't don't give away the store. That Those are things that are simple and in your control. Make it difficult for a hacker to not know where that access point actually is. Because if he's going to target you, that'll make their job that much easier. I, I do the same thing. 
uh, even with something as simple as my home, you can go to uh, Google Street View and you can see someone's home, the address number, what it looks like, the license plate number. Mm-hmm. You can take those bits and pieces and use it against somebody. You can contact Google. It's simple. It's free. It's done within 24 hours. You can say, I want my house number blurred out. I don't want to be part of Street View. I don't want my license plate there. Have it blurred out. That's what I did. That's good. It could be a little inconvenient if somebody's dropping you off for a car service or something because they won't get down to the specific house now on their GPS, but that's okay. You could tell them, hey, I'm up the street Mm -hmm. a half a mile or the house on the left or whatever the case may be. Right. Again, make it difficult for people to hack into your wireless, to find your home, to make these connections and associate Mm -hmm. it to you. When they're not real sure, they're going to move on to another target. Yeah, right. that's the key. You know, and Scott, it, the point being, you're in control of your own security, right? You're not leaving it up exactly. to the government to right. protect you or anyone else. You're taking control of your own security. It, exactly. The government's got their hands full. They, they're trying. <laughs> they yeah. sure do. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The, the FBI has been very busy ch- chasing down cyber hackers around the globe. Good. Russia, China, R- Romania, and they've had some great success. But they've had some big failures as well, mm-hmm. and, and hackers are very elusive, and they're going to keep working at us. Now they're shifting their focus away from large corporations and a lot of the credit card for Now their uh, identity theft is on the rise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different strains of ransomware with these effective phishing attacks, right. fear phishing and things. So they're changing their game up as they're starting to get caught, so they always stay ahead and they can keep a lucrative career. Yeah, I mean, lately it's been all about hacking into hospitals and healthcare systems yeah, and getting them to yeah. pay ransom. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. And, and it's and it's actually very effective because <clears throat> there they can command a higher price for the ransom. They have right. less attacks because how do you shut a hospital down? You got people right. sick. You got someone in an emergency room. You got to keep that hospital going. They may fork ten, twenty grand over like that. Yeah. It's a lot harder when you're trying to get three hundred dollars per person. They're they're changing their game up. We have to be very very careful. Okay. Is there something that we can do as consumers in the medical industry to guard our identity? I mean, you know, we have no control over whether a hospital has good security or not, but is there something that we can do as regular people? Well, there are some things you can do, uh, even on what I call the basic level. One tip I always give, and this is a true story, I, I, I went to the, the walk-in. It's a MetaMerge close to my house. There mm-hmm. some sinus problems. First thing, show your your copay, your insurance card, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And you fill out that one little pager at the bottom. They asked me for my social security number. I was very concerned. I said, oh, I'm not going to give you my social security number. And they said, sorry, Mr. Schober, we can't see you if you don't. I said, what do you mean? I said, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Talk to the manager. They came out and said, no, we require that now. I said, that's absurd. I said, there's no way I'm giving you my social security number so I could see a doctor. They said, let me make a call. They came back. They said, you know what? You're right. We're, we're, we're not sp- we're not required to, yeah. to do that. We can't Good. deny to deny treatment. But I'm the only one that spoke up. Everyone else I'm noticing around me is filling out their social mm-hmm. security number, and the girl behind the desk photocopies it, sticks it in a folder. The other copy went with the records. I'm saying, wait a minute. So sometimes people have to question things. Yeah. Don't yeah. put Good. too much information out there. And that's just a simple example of being at a doctor's office. But it, it's a true story if I just simply put my social security number out there. That's one more piece of critical information associated to me mm-hmm. that is key for somebody to take out credit or, or in the case of identity theft and, and medical fraud, you, you need that key piece of information. Now, the question I ask, why were they asking for the social security number? The interesting part is what I, in my research I found out, 
if somebody doesn't pay their medical bills, mm-hmm. the easiest way to put them through collections is if you have their Social Security number. Uh-huh. So it's really mm. a financial reason right. why they were asking for it. Gotcha. Sure, sure. Yeah. Is but that... don't put too much information out there. That's yeah. the real good. bottom line. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Our discussion today has been fascinating, and uh, I wish we had more time, but maybe we can have you back for yeah. a future episode. Oh, that that would be great. M- much appreciated, and thank you, too, for taking some time to look into the book there and sharing things. And I should mention, if anybody does want to find out more about it, I do have free tips, that they can, 11 tips they can pull down off my website if they go to hackedagain.com. And they could learn more about the book and other things that we're doing there, certainly. Well, that's fantastic. And we'll post a link on the show notes page. And, Scott, where else can people go on the Internet to learn about you and your work? Uh, Well, certainly my website is is scottshober.com. Twitter handle is uh, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, and then BVS, Baker Victor Sam. And if they have questions, they can always feel free to shoot them over via Twitter or, or what have you, or even through the website, and I'd be happy to answer if I right. can. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I mean, you've got such a wealth of information, and I'm so impressed with your book, and I, I heartily endorse it and recommend it to all of our listeners. The title, once again, is Hacked Again. It can happen to anyone, even a cybersecurity expert, and the author is Scott Schober, S-C-H-O-B-E-R, and it is definitely worth reading. It is indeed, and we certainly encourage our audience to go check it out. And also, uh, let us know, have you been a victim of a breach? Have you been hacked? What questions do you have? What? How did you deal with it? How did you handle the situation? Leave it as a comment on our show notes page at scammercast.com. Right, and if, if you like the uh, shows that we have here at scammercast.com, please tell a friend and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or leave us a comment once again at scammercast.com. Until next time, this is Curtis Bailey, your co-host at scammercast.com. And Art Mains, your other co-host at scammercast.com, reminding you to join us in helping to hammer the scammers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ScammerCast, your headquarters for education and protection of our elderly from scams worldwide. Be sure to visit us at ScammerCast.com, where you can send us your stories and tips, as well as send us your feedback, visit our Facebook presence, and more. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time, hammer the scammers. The information we share in this podcast is meant for informational and educational purposes only and should never substitute for appropriate legal, financial, or medical advice from qualified professionals. Always consult with an attorney, physician, or financial professional for the correct advice for your particular situation.